Coming up on Chasing the Natty, week four is in the record books and things are about to take a turn in college fantasy. To this point, we've been blessed with a lack of bye weeks and adjusting our lineups to fit them. Now, we must prepare ourselves for the roster churning and the madness that will come in the weeks to come as bye week hell continues. As always, I'll cover a few trap players to avoid on the waiver wire this week, and then we'll be discussing who you should actually be targeting on the waiver wire in order to help your teams in the coming weeks. All this and more coming right after this. Caleb Williams dancing, cutting, mesmerizing run by the quarterback. Marvin Harrison. Junior touchdown! Marvelous Mark! Ball next to the outside, dropped down for Franklin! A majestic touchdown! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. We are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus of Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday morning during the season at 6 a.m. If you want to support the great work we are doing here, head on over to campusofcanton.com and subscribe there with one of our three marvelous tiers. You'll find everything you need there for your CFF, Devi, and C2C and betting needs, including rankings, articles, tools, and even more than that. You can also find me and the show on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty. Well, y'all, we're officially one-third of the way through the college fantasy season. Can you believe it? Because I really can't. It is flying by already, but man, when you're having to constantly think about it every day of the week, it really makes the season go by just so, so, so quickly. Like it it really kind of helps kind of make that, I don't want to say it's a slot, but you know that, you know, like obviously a lot of you watch NFL, so Sundays ain't so bad, but you know that Monday through, you know, Wednesday, Thursday slog where you're like, oh, can college football games get around here already? Well, when you're thinking about waiver wires, when you're thinking about setting your lineups, making sure that you're good to go for the weekend, making sure that your auto sub orders and priority orders are set and ready to go, it really does make the weeks kind of go by really, really quickly. I can't believe we're already at the end of September. It really feels like just yesterday we were finally getting our first taste of a lot of these teams. And now, like I said, we're a third of the way through the season. And a lot of you might be thinking like, well, we're a third of the way through the season. Things ought to be kind of settling down now. We've kind of gotten most of the guys off the waiver wire that we, you know, didn't really see coming throughout the season. Well, no. Uh, As I mentioned in the intro to the video, one of the main things we just haven't really had to deal with is bye weeks. Again, we've been super blessed, obviously, the first couple of weeks in college fantasy where, you know, we pretty much have our rosters at full strength like yes we have some teams like Colorado State being out week two USC being out week three where you know you're looking at your teams and you're sitting there like okay well I'm out these guys I should be able to replace one guy two guys maybe if you're heavily reliant on those teams per happens chance but now especially this week is when I first really started noticing it's like 
we have many, many teams going off on bye weeks, and it really continues through about week nine. So for the next about four weeks, we'll be looking at constantly trying to find guys with really good matchups off the waiver wire to help you out weekly. But that's kind of the thing I wanted to touch on here. I... I've been kind of thinking about this a lot recently, and I've noticed a lot of people will kind of grab guys off the waiver wire, immediately plug them into their lineups. That works really well in these first couple of weeks. Because like I said, the first couple of weeks, we're figuring out the guys that we completely missed on during the offseason, whether it maybe it's a quarterback, running back, or wide receiver room, kind of settling itself out, finding the clear number one guy they're going to rely on that we just had no clue about. There was no beat reporters talking about them whatsoever. So it makes sense to go ahead and plug them into your lineup. We just missed. That's going to be a guy. Four weeks into the season, for the most part, we've kind of figured out most of those guys. So a lot of the people that are going to pop up as waiver wire choices over the next couple of weeks are going to be guys that you know haven't been doing what they have been doing the last couple of weeks up until that point in the season. Like, for example, like you'll have guys who, you know, weeks one through three they were getting like 8 to 10 carries, but then all of a sudden in week 4, we're going to discuss several of these guys today, you know, they're getting 20 plus carries. You're trying to sit there and figure out like, okay, is that going to be a guy that's going to get 20 plus carries from here on out? Or is this going to be like a flash in the pan kind of deal? I mean, we already kind of discussed that a little bit with uh, Kyle Manungai, the running back out of Rutgers. Like he's had really big volume games before, but then the very next week, he'll just completely regress back to what he was doing before. Again, it's it's a bit of a roll of the dice. Like the first week, um, or in week three, Kamenangai had a really good game again. It, it was it was good. You had to see a lot of volume. Then this past week against Michigan, just not much going on right there. So it's a little bit of a roll of the dice there. So one thing I just kind of want to caution everybody is that a lot of people will talk about streaming, 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 streaming. Like go grab this guy off the waiver wire, stream him for a week, and then drop him and stuff like that. You really, in these first couple of weeks, should have been building your team, in my opinion, to where the guys on your bench, for the most part, like, yes, they're droppable. Obviously, you have to have some kind of leeway there with it. But at the same time, like, you should have been kind of putting guys there that when your guys that you normally put in your starting lineup aren't able to go, whether it's a bye week or just a tough matchup, that those are the guys you then plug in. Those are the guys you should be have been scouting, relying on, and realize like, okay, so even when my guy doesn't go, this guy's good enough to do it. It's just a little bit of like, I guess it's one of those things like you continue to use, utilize the waiver wire. Like don't listen, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Obviously continue to use the waiver wire. There's going to be guys who pop up. There's going to be guys who go down to injury. There's going to be breakout guys that, you know, just hadn't performed up until that point in the season, didn't really have their shot. And then now they're doing really well. We're going to, we're going to cover all of those guys. Don't get me wrong here. But in terms of just like looking for those guys where, you know, it's like, oh, they got a good matchup this week. Go stream this wide receiver. You can do that, but you should really only do that if you're in like really, really dire straits, in my opinion. Like you literally just have either everybody's on a buy and everybody just happens to have a really tough matchup this week. Then you go to the waiver wire. Don't go to the waiver wire always looking for your looking for the solution to your problems. I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to say. Take this, take this how you will and everything. It's just one of the things I was kind of thinking about because I saw a lot of people talking about like, oh, who would you stream this week and stuff like that. I'm like, well. I mean, like, there's a lot of, there's enough good options out there that you, like, should have kind of grabbed some guys and put them on your bench already to, you know, utilize during the season. Otherwise, what's your bench for? But, you know, 
just again just be a little careful about that sometimes um so yeah that's kind of my little rant here to start the show here again take it for what you will obviously again if there's a clear streaming option out there again it's 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 context-based y'all like it's it's one of those things where like you know if there's a clear guy that like you know it's a really really good matchup he's performed well in the past it's one of those guys where like you know you know exactly when to start him there is value in having guys like that and you see one waiting out there on the waiver wire you see they have a good matchup yeah go grab them see if it's right for you to put them in your starting lineup but for the most part again like in my opinion, you should have been building your bench the last couple of weeks as well to kind of fill in those holes when the going does get tough over the next couple of weeks. But again, we're not even in the worst of bye weeks yet. So probably around like weeks eight and nine, we're definitely going to kind of feel that pinch. And we're definitely going to be looking for a lot of those guys that come off the waiver wire. But so that's enough of me rambling. You guys don't want to hear about anymore about this you really more than anything want to hear about what I have to say about the waiver wire options for this week well as always we will go ahead and get started with my trap players of the week as always y'all just remember when you're looking at the waiver wire don't go chasing points all the time be smart about who you're going to invest in to with waiver wires context is key in all fantasy really but especially in college fantasy these guys are the trojan horses of cff this week they are your wife asking you if she is fat they are the traps on the waiver wire for or post week four so we'll go ahead and get started with the first two here they go right in hand in hand together it's bryce kurtz the number one wide receiver from this past week wide receiver out of northwestern and then ben bryant who also had himself a really good performance with Northwestern this past week against Minnesota. Incredible comeback victory. It was really, really nice to see the Wildcats kind of get a win in that fashion. But y'all, just don't trust Northwestern players for the most part. It's going to be very, very rare when we see performances like this. Like I went and looked. The last time a Northwestern wide receiver hit 200 yards, 2018. It's just not a typical thing whatsoever for them. And like, I mean, yeah, you see a 200-yard performance, you're like, oh, obviously, Jared, he's not going to perform 200 yards every single week. But only one, only one player outside of Kurtz this past week has hit 100 yards receiving in a single game the last two years for Northwestern. And that player wasn't even a receiver. It was Evan Hull, their running back, who had just an absolutely insane 200 yard receiving game like i think it's like week two last year yeah it looks like week two against duke so it's one of those things where again northwestern seems to have about one to good really good passing games per year they kind of come from behind perform really really well we saw this at the beginning of last year when ryan helinski went for 300 yards against nebraska followed that up with like a 400 yard performance against duke they just have these flash games and you know i was surprised they were able to do it against a defense I thought was pretty good in Minnesota I just do not I don't count on these guys to start performing week in and week out whatsoever so don't go chasing Northwestern players although I said don't go chasing triple option players and we'll talk about that later anyway number three this one might surprise some of you because I know some people are kind of touting him as a potential waiver option for this week but I do not trust Jordan McLeod a quarterback out of James Madison I think that his performance this past week Obviously incredible, 41.16 fantasy points, you know, 364 yards passing, four touchdowns, managed to get two touchdowns on the ground. Like, clearly it was a very impressive performance. I just think it had a lot, 
more to do with the matchup than anything we can consistently expect down the line. Because think about what happened in this game. For those of you who didn't watch the James Madison versus Utah State game, James Madison got out to a pretty big lead in this game. And by that point, McLeod hadn't really done much. What ended up happening is that like Utah State just had a complete switch in the second half where they started putting up some points and that forced James Madison to start putting up even more points than that. And so it helped that Utah State has one of the worst defenses in the country. I believe they're bottom 30 in the country. James Madison was able to make some really, really big plays down the line. I know um, McLeod was able to put up a forty or a 74-yard uh, touchdown to Reggie Brown in this game uh, to basically kind of put the go-ahead touchdown there. I just don't think that this offense is really set up for him to have these absolutely insane games. Again, the volume in this game wasn't you know fantastic and 34 passing attempts you know fine like don't get me wrong but at the same time like before that point 26 passing attempts 31 passing attempts and just look at the fantasy points before this point he scored 45 fantasy points this past week against troy 9.9 against virginia 16.16 fantasy points and that was a game where you know um, James Madison was putting up a ton of points and McLeod was just not involved there. And then, you know, you know, Bucknell, like, you know, he came in a little bit late. I'm not going to knock him too much for that. But even so, like, in his full performances, this is an outlier for him. Now, can this change? Potentially. But for right now, I just am not really, unless there's like a clear drop on my QB bench, like a Donovan Smith or something like that, I'm not really going after Jordan McLeod and risking dropping somebody who's probably a little bit more consistent on my bench than this guy. And not only not not to mention the fact that, again, in this past game, he got two rushing touchdowns, which he had zero the first three weeks, kind of inflated his stat line just a little bit for the weekend. So I'm saying hold off on Jordan McLeod a little bit here. Anyway, we got Mr. Uh, Jaden Thomas, the running back out of UNLV here. This one's pretty simple. 13 carries for 100 yards and four touchdowns. This is not a sustainable line. If you remember what happened with Donovan, or not Donovan Edwards, Dylan Edwards earlier this offseason, y'all. Like some of you had to learn that lesson the hard way. I know some of you did because I saw the percentage of him being rostered go skyrocketing after week one. Don't fall for it again. Again, volume is key in college fantasy. Clearly, Thomas is a guy that they do like to get touchdowns. Again, he's gotten, what? what is this? Like seven touchdowns or eight touchdowns in the first, no, yeah, seven touchdowns in the first four games of the season. But that's only on 211 yards. That is also just not sustainable whatsoever. I really think he's just kind of in pretty soon for that regression to come along. And if you're relying on a guy that's only getting 13 carries in a game and probably isn't going to get the touchdown volume that he has been getting, I feel like you're just setting yourself up for failure there. Don't don't go for it whatsoever. Anyway, last uh, running back we'll touch on here is Mr. Dylan Sampson. I feel like we covered him already earlier this offseason. Um, actually, we did. Um, I just didn't have this whole segment set up and everything like that. You are talking about a guy that, for whatever reason, when Tennessee is just blowing out opponents, they love to get Dylan Sampson involved and once again comes in with a multi-touchdown game against a bad opponent for Tennessee. And guess what? He'll go back and disappear into the ether probably until next year. 
because again, I, I, I can't remember Tennessee's schedule off the top of my head, but I do not think they have another G5 or lower opponent moving forward. So I think that again, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure if you're trying to go in for Dylan Sampson again. If you were one of the people that tried to go after him after week one and then you realize how quickly, how disappointing he is, just don't even worry about it. Anyway, enough talking about that. That's enough of the traps there. Let's go talk about the guys you actually should be talking about and grabbing for your college fantasy teams here. And we'll start with the quarterbacks after I get myself a drink of water. All right, here we go. Jace Bauer, quarterback out of Central Michigan, rostered on 2% of rosters. If anybody in the comments or anybody on Twitter can just at me and kind of let me know what the heck is going on with this quarterback room, because I really don't know what's happening here. One week, Emmanuel's the starter. He's doing really good. He's much improved from last year. It's really his job to lose. He starts the season. I'm like, okay, wow, Emmanuel, here we go. I mean, I had him on the waiver wire list just a couple of weeks ago. You guys remember that? Like, this, he was set up for a, an amazing season. But then, you know, last week against Notre Dame, he's sick. Bauer starts. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, players get sick. Like, Bauer has an okay game against Notre Dame. Like, again, about 50% completion, 137 yards. So just not nothing home to write about whatsoever. 16 rushing yards, a touchdown. Again, it's Notre Dame. So it's not like I'm going to blame Bauer too much. But it's not a performance that I'm sitting there being like, oh, my goodness, like, you know, clearly he's the better quarterback than Emmanuel. So I'm thinking, you know, like, you know, Emmanuel will get his job back once he's back from sickness. But then this week, like, Bauer goes out there against South Alabama, and it's the Bauer show. Like, what the hell? Like, what happened to Emmanuel here? Because, like, it's Emmanuel came in for a pass. Emmanuel came in for a couple of plays. It was really, really weird. It's not like he was like, they were, they were like, oh, he's still sick and stuff like that. No, Bauer came in and Unfortunately for Emmanuel, Bauer looked really, really good against what I, uh, what was supposed to be a pretty stingy South Alabama defense. Granted, you know, they haven't performed the best so far this year, but still, like, there's a lot of talent there. If Bauer keeps this up, like, he's the guy moving forward. I just don't see how, you know, it, it wouldn't make any sense for Emmanuel to somehow come back next week after Bauer probably had the best passing performance he's had in a long time, 19 for 30, 224 yards, and a touchdown. It, I, it would just blow my mind if Emmanuel came back. It, like, if he did come back, I would like it because I have him in a lot of places. But at the same time, like Bauer, man, like, again, it, it's just not making a lot of sense. I'm still trying to wrap my head around here. And But again, the, the good part about this is that you're not really going to see a huge change between Bauer and a huge change between Bauer and Emmanuel. It, it looks like they're still willing to let Bauer run along the goal line. Obviously, this past weekend, he had four touchdowns uh, on the ground last week. Again, the probably the rushing numbers aren't going to be as high. Like Again, you're probably looking at a ceiling of maybe like 50, 60 yards with Bauer every single week versus like with Emmanuel. You could be hitting 100-plus every single time. But like I said, once they get down near the goal line, Bauer is more than happy to run it in himself. In Maction, which is really only just getting started, this could be a absolutely league-winning QB spot if Bauer is able to hold on to this job. Just look at the schedule they have coming up. Eastern Michigan, Buffalo, Akron. That's going to be huge over the next couple of weeks when you're having to deal with some bye week scenarios and you're looking at you know, trying to find the guys on your bench. 
Bauer is absolutely some one of those guys that can help you get through that. So let's go ahead and move on to our second quarterback. This is a Chris Moxley special. He has been kind of on this guy for a while now. Didn't I don't, I don't think any of us really expected him to start this year, um, but here he is now because Woldridge is down. Looks like pretty much out for the season for the most part. And man, like what a surprise this Louisiana offense has been so far. It's really kind of looking better and better the further and further away it gets from Billy Napier's system. If I had told you before, or if somebody had told me before the season started through four weeks that the lowest amount of points that Louisiana would have scored on an opponent was 31 points, I absolutely would have called you crazy. This is just not an offense that I'm looking at, you know, in a vacuum and being like, oh, I need to look at some of these Louisiana players because, you know, they're going to put up 30-plus points a game uh, through the first four weeks of the season. Like, it kind of blew my mind. And Zeon Chris here really is kind of the catalyst of this whole offense. There's not, like, one receiver, one running back that's kind of there. Chris is kind of doing it all throughout the last couple of weeks here. His dual threat ability in the Sun Belt is absolutely something I want sitting on my team, ready to go in the middle, In at, excuse me, ready to go, should I need somebody to come off the bench and kind of perform well for me in these next coming weeks? Again, his floor so far with his rushing has just been absolutely insane. He has long rushes in the past two games of 80 yards and 54 yards, and he has hit 70-plus rushing yards in both games. He's had uh, touchdowns to go along with that in both games. It is a pretty safe floor guy to kind of go with here and a mostly okay schedule moving forward. Obviously this week and week five, tough matchup. He's going up against Minnesota. I'm not gonna pretend like Minnesota has been as good of a defense as I kind of hoped they would be before the season got started. But even still, like it's a G five opponent going up against Minnesota. I'm not betting on Chris to have as good of a performance against them as he's had the last couple of weeks. But after that point, once you get back into some belt play, you got Texas State, you got Georgia State, you got more guys down the line. He should have a lot of really good matchups in the next couple of weeks that should really, really help you out. Unfortunately for him, like most of the quarterbacks of his variety, his passing ceiling isn't quite as high. But if he can kind of hit that 249, 250 mark that he had this past week against Buffalo, he should be more than fine against any opponent down the stretch. I think you're going to like having Chris as a really, really good backup option for your teams moving forward. So let's move on to our next guy here. This guy, in my opinion, has the potential to become a weekly starter moving forward. You know, should he kind of clean up a few things and, you know, obviously there's some there's some tougher matchups here and there with him. And also we really only have one great game to go off of here. But he's worth bringing up. This is the guy that Nate Marquise calls the G5 Kyler Murray. He's a true freshman quarterback. His name is Jalen Raynor, the quarterback out of Arkansas State. Arkansas State was off to a really, really rough start earlier this season. The first two games, they were averaging 1.5 offensive points per game. Oklahoma was their first opponent. That's kind of understandable. You know, it's Brett Venable's defense. They've been shut out by power five, like big time power five opponents before. That's not too that's not too bad. Against Memphis, putting up three points against them, 
that's not so understandable. This offense needed a jump. JT Stroud was their first choice at quarterback. He got hurt. Jackson Daly comes in. He can't even throw on Stony Brook, which was their week three opponent. They He, he couldn't just do anything against them, which was kind of pathetic. Rayner comes in and pretty much outproduces what Daly was able to do in just six throws. The offense clearly had a spark when Rayner came in, and it looks like Butch Jones and the coaching staff decided to ride with that and have him start against Southern Miss. And not only did Raynor get the offense to score in this game, he kept them going in an absolute shootout. Like, he was a guy that could catalyze this entire offense to put up the points they needed to in order to win. Even when Strout comes back, I highly doubt they're benching Raynor. Like, yes, he's a true freshman, but he has the talent to perform well for Arkansas State moving forward. Butch Jones kind of knew that if the season continued like it did, his job was going to be on the line. I think he's absolutely going to ride or die with Raynor here, given the upside that Raynor is going to produce here. And just look at like what they're willing to let him do this past week. Again, passing percentage, not great. Again, 11 for 21, so clean about half of his passes. But when he does complete them, he was able to put them deep and throw for 233 yards and three touchdowns on the day. And then here is the wonderful part. Like Nate said, G5 Kyler Murray kind of stats here. 17 rushing attempts, 97 yards, and two touchdowns. As I said with Kadon Salter, anytime you see a quarterback rush for almost 20 attempts in a single game, that should tell you that this is going to be a guy that has a huge floor every single week and honestly a huge ceiling if some of those are more scrambles than actual designed runs. I think Raynor is absolutely somebody worth picking up and shoot in a dynasty league. He's probably like the number one pickup on rosters this week if he's able to consistently get this going week in and a week out again the schedule isn't half bad this upcoming week he's got UMass that should be a really nice matchup after that Troy not so great Coastal not so great but again it's a Sun Belt Conference he's got a plenty of shootout opportunities here I think that Raynor is an excellent pickup for this week after that, I think the quarterback's kind of tear break a little bit. This next one is kind of a rest of season play. I'll go ahead and put him up on the screen. Next quarterback here is is a rest of season play, but I will admit to you guys, I feel more obligated to put him on the waiver wire this week than I am like actually excited about it. Of course, I'm talking about Baron Morton, quarterback out of Texas Tech. Is the Zach Kitley offense. Again, we saw what he was able to do at Western Kentucky. Hasn't quite translated as well at Texas Tech. But, you know, we're hoping that a guy like Baron Morton with his passing ability is able to kind of run that system a little bit better. But again, this is the third year in a row that we've been doing this with Baron Morton. And I, I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of sick of the Baron Morton roller coaster. He, again... Look at what his performances have been the last couple of years. This past week, not great. He gets bring in for Shuck. You would think after a couple of years, he'd be ready to just ready to get going. He has 35 percentage completions this past week. 37 attempts, only 13 completions. 158 yards and a touchdown. It is just it was not pretty last week. And I would like to say that's an outlier, but again, I go back to look at last year where he only had one really really strong performance against Oklahoma State, where he threw 62 times. For 379 yards and two touchdowns, as well as running 17 times for 53 yards and a touchdown. That's like what we were hoping for with a Zach Kidley offense 
week in and week out, but then the weeks after that. They get the W against Western Virginia last year, but he only he only threw for uh, 325 and two touchdowns and just barely anything on the ground. So you're finishing the week with 22.7 fantasy points. So not great. It just kind of kept going lower and lower. Now, obviously, I'm probably putting too much on his past performances. It's his third year. He should be ready to go. Obviously, you know, last week could have been a bit of a fluky game. Some kind of weird stuff going on there with Shuck going down pretty early there. But here's a couple of things that Morton has going for him. One, Shuck isn't coming back. He is done for the season. Broken fibula, he's done. And you also don't have really another quarterback there. Because like last year with Morton, Donovan Smith was also there. Just kind of kind of breathing down his neck there. And I really think Morton's just the only guy. So hopefully that means that we're not going to deal with any kind of weird stuff of like, oh, this week turns out Smith's starting, or oh, this week Shuck's back all of a sudden. It should be Morton's job from here on out. I would be absolutely shocked if they throw anybody else out there. And the other thing is, this kind of turns it into a streaming play for this week. They're playing Houston this week. If he can't throw on Houston, Houston who has the 124th passing defense in the country, if he can't throw on them, if he can't do what a Zach Kitley offense is supposed to be able to do against them, then this is a very quick pickup and then drop. You just don't want to play with that the rest of the season. It just won't be worth it. I know some other people who are already at that point with Texas Tech. This is really their last chance. If Morton can't do it against Houston this weekend, it's just not wor- worth worrying about it the rest of the year. Let me touch on our last quarterback here, Mr. Mikey Keene. This is more of a streamer QB play, although he has some really nice matchups over the next couple of weeks. For this upcoming week, he has Nevada, who is 127th in the country when it comes to giving up passing yards. When Keene is able to have free reign to just kind of go bombs away on a defense, he absolutely does. Just look what he did this past week against Kent State. Look what he did earlier in the season. I believe it was week one. I can't remember their opponent, but regardless, he had a really good performance there. He has a pretty safe floor most weeks. About a safe floor, about two touchdowns. Probably can get even more than that against the Nevada team that is... You know, like I said, very poor against the pass here. He's averaging 40.75 passes per game. So that's a really nice volume for Keen right there. I would say probably the biggest drawback for Keen on a weekly by week basis is that there's just no floor whatsoever with his legs. He just it doesn't he doesn't run. That's just not his game. Luckily, though, Nevada so far this season has been lacking in the sack department. They only have five sacks on the season. So hopefully Fresno State's O-line can hold up against them and make it to where that Keen's lack of rushing does not become a liability in these games. And then, like I said, he has Nevada this upcoming weekend. And then in the next couple of weeks, he's got Wyoming. He's got Utah State. Those are both teams that really he should be able to to pass on let me see if i can find their passing yards allowed over the last couple of weeks because i believe utah state is definitely near the bottom yeah it looks like utah state's in the bottom 30 or 40 i can't do the math off the top of my head sorry y'all and then wyoming it looks like wyoming's a little bit higher so maybe that's a bit tougher of a matchup there but even still like yeah wyoming is right right about in the middle it looks like so regardless Given Keen's volume, he should still have some pretty good production there. Before we move on to our final 
or before we move on to our running backs, I want to throw out one final kind of honorable mention reminder to everybody. Heinrich Harburg, still available in a lot of leagues. This past week, once again, 19 rushes, 157 yards, a touchdown on the ground. That's a very safe floor. A guy that you probably should be grabbing as a backup option next couple of weeks. Obviously, probably don't start him against Michigan this week. But after that, you know, probably in for a couple of good weeks. Let's go to running backs after I take my sip of water. Okay. So, I have to take an L. I put a person on the uh, trap list last week for waiver wire pickups that... I'm now having to turn around and tell you that he's a guy you need to be going and picking up. I told you last week to avoid Mr. Emmanuel Michel, the running back out of Air Force, currently rostered on 6% of leagues. I was convinced that this is a flash in the pan, that I mean, Air Force has been going back and forth on different running backs the whole season to this point. Emmanuel is probably just another guy. It's now time to adjust course here. As my friend Austin Smith said on Twitter when I kind of posted about it, it was understandable to wait on him a week. It is not understandable at this point. Back-to-back weeks with 30-plus rushing attempts here. This past week, 33 rushing attempts, 148 yards, and three touchdowns. Again, last last week's performance, I believe, was just over 100 yards. And I was like, oh, avoid this guy, avoid this guy. All he did was go and just outperform what he did last week. I'm like, there's no way he's going to hit this again. Well, he did, and he did that and did so much more. Anyway, why am I changing my tune again? Not only because I've seen it back-to-back weeks, but as I watched the game, because I was able to kind of put some time aside to watch this game on, I believe it was Thursday or Friday night. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Regardless, it it was one of the weekday nights. I did put some time aside to watch this game, and he is in that role that Brad Roberts was playing in. And they're treating him like Brad Roberts. Maybe it took a little while for them to realize like this is the guy we can rely on. But clearly, the last two weeks kind of show that he's going to be the guy. If it's true that he is taking over that Brad Roberts role, it's quite simple. This is the most important pickup of the week, and it is not even close. The fullback position in Air Force, when they get it to one guy is absolutely essential to own in college fantasy. So, quite frankly, he probably should be the highest waiver wire pickup of the week for you guys. Next running back here, and really every running back from here on out. We have a whole bunch of running backs here. I, I was initially kind of excited by, about the some of the running back options that were coming out of this week. But then I kind of realized that every single one of these guys kind of go back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the show, where... They are guys that you should pick up off the waiver wire this week. It's very similar to like Darius Taylor. You, sh- you have to pick them up off the waiver wire this week because of their performances this past week, the volume that they were getting. But I don't think it's necessarily the wisest thing to immediately set them into your lineup because I think it is worth waiting one more week to make sure that they are the real deal, that the situation that we think is forming is actually happening here. So we'll start with the first one here, and that is Mr. DJ Giddens, the running back one from this past week. Just absolutely insane performance here. 30 rushing attempts, 207 yards, four touchdowns, and then added eight receptions for 86 yards and no touchdowns there. Rostered on 24% of leagues, so clearly some people are already on him, hoping that he kind of takes the 1A position between him and Treshawn Ward. 
And I can already hear you guys talking about Treshawn Ward. I can hear you screaming his name at me right now. Jared, Treshawn Ward was out. We can't expect more performances like this every week. And to which I say, y'all, even if Ward was out for the rest of the season, I wouldn't be expecting performances like this at all the rest of the season. I wouldn't expect him to get another 38-touch week ever. But this is the kind of performance to me that sh- that allows a staff to put some more trust into a guy than they have been for more games down the stretch. To this point in the season, Giddens and Ward have been a 1A, 1B combo with Ward being that 1A guy, but he was out for this game and Giddens was able to obviously take advantage of the opportunity. Not only that, Giddens so far this season has been outperforming Ward. Ward has not been really an explosive guy. His longest carry for the season has been 20 yards versus Giddens on a down-per-down basis averaging 6.4 yards per carry versus Ward who had 4.3. Giddens just is kind of the more consistent down-to-down back. And so now, at least the way I'm reading this is that when Ward comes back, one, he'll be coming off of injury. They're going to want to get him come back slow for the most part. Yes, he's going to eat into some of Giddens' workload. Like he's not, I don't, like I said, even if Ward wasn't there, Giddens is not reaching 38 carries per game or in a game, I don't think the rest of the season, or 38 touches, excuse me, the rest of the season. But I think this performance now solidifies that Giddens will be the RB1A moving forward, if not the sole RB1 with Ward being a clear tier two of his own in that backfield. If that is the case, I fully expect DJ Giddens to rise from his around like 9 to uh, 9 to 13 touches per game that he's had the last couple of weeks to be moving forward with about 20 touches per game. Obviously, he showed this past week that he's a reliable receiver out of the backfield, so that's going to help him a ton. If he's able to get to that 20 touches per game, that's more than enough for him to have a chance at being fantasy relevant on a weekly basis, especially in the Big 12. The big downside on all of this is that when you pick him up after this week, you really got to wait two weeks to really kind of understand if this is the real deal. Obviously, you know, there's that one week I already told you about where like you pick him up, put him on your bench, see what happens, but they also have a bye this week. So you're probably week five and six you're probably holding on to Giddens for a while, hoping that he's the real deal when it finally comes back to him in week, or you're hoping that he's the real deal in week six so that you can then play him in week seven. So he is definitely an investment guy moving forward. Not going to help you a ton over the next couple of weeks, but could be a guy that helps you a ton in the hell that will be weeks seven through nine when it comes to those bye weeks. Anyway, Let's move on to another running back here. Another very similar situation, or not a similar, well, kind of a similar situation. Anthony Grant, running back out of Nebraska, rostered on 22% of rosters here with Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson down. Nebraska really has no other choice but to make Grant a bell cow back moving forward. The good news for everybody out here is that he's done this before. Just go back to his time early in last season before he kind of got nicked up and they needed to kind of spread things around a little bit more. Hopefully he's able to be more healthy here. This past week, against admittedly a very terrible Louisiana Tech rushing defense, uh, Grant was able to do 22 carries for 135 yards and a touchdown. You know, it's a pretty solid performance overall right there. 22 carries, always nice to see. But 
The real question is what happens when they go into Big 12? Are, is that staff looking for another running back behind Grant to kind of provide him some relief? Because this past week, it was Grant and pretty much nobody else. Like you, Obviously, you have um, Harburg rushing his 17 to 19 times per game, so that's providing Grant some relief right there. But I'm sure they're looking for another running back to help him out there. But when it comes to the rest of the season, you know, I've always said Big 12 or Big 10 defenses are probably the worst for fantasy in terms of like how well they're able to shut down some really good players over the years. This week's matchup against Michigan. Obviously, I think Grant's a sit. Michigan's a really talented defense. But I do think it'll be a nice bellwether for like how Big Big Ten play is going to move going forward. First of all, when Michigan goes ahead, which I fully expect them to do in this game, does Grant get game scripted out? Are they going to get him 20 touches regardless, whether that's on the ground or are they going to throw to him a little bit more? That'll kind of tell me what kind of role he'll have down the line. And then also, again, Michigan's defense. I consider it one of the best in the country. Can he perform against that de- defense? So far, again, he's ha- he's kind of feasted on a couple of really bad teams for the most part. Last year, Grant went only for only 22 yards on 11 carries for Michigan. Can he improve on that number? It remains to be seen. Again, definitely one of those guys where the volume's there, you pick him up, you keep him on your bench for a week, obviously because of the Michigan lineup. But then after that, Illinois, Northwestern, those are two matchups where if he's still getting that volume and he's still performing well, instant starter right there, I think it would be really nice for you. Or, or absolutely somebody who could come in and pick up the slack when some of your guys go on bye week. Let's move on to another running back here. Another guy who has, you know, not had the volume so far this season, but yet here we are. We have Mr. Penny Boone, the running back out of Toledo. A lot of us, it turns out, are probably a year too early on this guy. A lot of us are really big on him last year before Toledo went full running back by committee. And it looks like that, you know, Toledo's finally settling in on him as the top guy here this past week 24 rushing attempts 211 yards and two touchdowns against again admittedly a what's supposed to be a very bad western michigan defense for the most part but even still that 24 carries that is the thing that's standing out it was a far far and away from the other running backs on the roster i think the next running back had four carries and then you had gleason and finn have their own handful of carries each but even still boone clearly the guy when it comes to getting the volume Maction's only just getting started. He'll be a great pickup for down the line if he is able to keep up with this volume. Now, how does he keep up with this volume? Daquan Finn is down, and we don't really have a timetable for his return. How much does that change the Rockets' offense moving forward? If any, if last week was any indication, Boone is going to be a huge, huge part of that. He has increased his touches every single week of this season, except for one, in which case Toledo went against a a cupcake matchup, got him out of there quickly, and even then Boone was able to pick up three touchdowns. They clearly have been relying on him more and more. And then, like I said, when Finn went down, Boone was able to put up 24 carries, 200 yards. Like this is a game, and again, this is a game where Toledo was behind for a good chunk of the game. And it would be very tempting to take the ball out of the running back's hands and throw it to Gleason and be like, okay, Gleason, start chucking the ball around the field. We need to catch up. No, they fully relied on Boone. That tells me that in that scenario, just in general, they're going to trust Boone moving forward with a lot. Again, pick him up this week. 
I'd keep him on your bench unless you are just in desperate need of throwing somebody else out there for the most part. But if he's able to put up another performance this next upcoming week against Northern Illinois, he's going to be another incredible matching piece that's going to pay huge dividends moving forward. Last running back I will talk about here. Mr. Parker Jenkins, running back out of Houston. We actually got quite a few true freshmen on the list today. Isn't that always exciting when we got a lot of true freshmen going around here? Anyway, where where did this come from? Uh, Parker Jenkins just all of a sudden goes from four carries and 15 yards to all of a sudden this past week against Sam Houston, a pretty solid Sam Houston defense from what I've seen. He gets 20 carries, 105 yards, and three touchdowns. I don't really know what to make of this, but I've, again, I feel like I have to touch on this in this game. I also just realized the graphic is wrong. Please ignore the graphic. The Again, like I said, the true stat line is 20 carries, 105 yards, and three touchdowns. Again, I don't know if this is a hot hand situation, but I think what is more likely that happened is that Houston's offense desperately needed a boost. Donovan Smith is just not it. He is not Clayton Toon. He is not going to be the Dana Holderson offense guy that we thought he was going to be for Rice when he went against Rice for one week. This offense desperately needed a jump, and it seems like the four-star true freshman running back here, Parker Jenkins, has been able to provide that. I think that, you know, we've seen what we've seen what a true freshman's been able to do for Houston in the past. Like it wasn't very long ago when Alton McCaskill put up just an incredible, I mean an incredible true freshman season for the Cougars. And technically Jenkins comes in as a higher rated prospect. I mean, if he's taking over the backfield this early on and was able to really put the team on his back against Sam Houston this past week, I think we have a potential star being born here. But again, Another situation where I'm still kind of back and forth. Like, is this the real deal? Was this just a flash in the pan, a hot hand situation? We'll definitely see. I think you grab him, you put him on your bench, see what kind of see see what kind of deal happens uh, next week against Texas Tech. But for now, like, I think he's absolutely worth picking up off the waiver wire. A couple of reminders and honorable mentions I want to throw out here. A couple of reminders. These are guys I've talked about in the past. They're still widely available. Big performances this past week, but obviously they're going to be big performances down the line. Elijah Gillum, Fresno State, Cameron Scadabo, Arizona State, and Jalen Buck- Buckley, Western Michigan, all should be on your waiver wire options for this week if you have not added them already. Again, according to these percentage numbers, a lot of you have not gone and picked these guys up. I would honestly prefer picking up all three of those guys over... Everybody not named Emmanuel Michelle in the running backs list that I've talked about today. Again, this is a little nugget for those of you who don't just click through the graphics and see what names I put up. You can actually listen to my voice and hear me say that if I had to rank the running backs this week amongst all of the guys that I've mentioned here today, it would be probably Emmanuel Michelle, Jalen Buckley, Elijah Gillum, and then Cameron Scadabo. Those would be my top four running backs on the waiver wire for this week if they're available in your league. And then I will kind of take shots on some of the other guys like Giddens, Grant, Boone, and Jenkins. A couple of other honorable mentions. These are guys that are like either just outside 31% or, you know, we can only talk about five, but I'm going to throw them out here anyway. Taj Brooks running back out of Texas Tech. Again, we saw last week when Shuck went down, Brooks became a much heavier piece of the Texas Tech offense. Jamal Haynes, running back out of Georgia Tech. This dude's had 18 carries for 
two weeks in a row for the Yellow Jackets. I think he's going to be a pretty big part of their offensive attack moving forward. So I think he'd be somebody I would be worth picking up on. And then Ishmael Mahdi, running back out of Texas State, very similar to some of the other guys. Not a ton of volume, but then all of a sudden this past week against Nevada, he was getting close to 20 carries. I'm not sure if it was a hot hand situation there as well, but it's something to keep in, keep in mind out there when you are looking for guys. Definitely wouldn't play him this week just to see kind of what happens. All right, let's move on here. Let's go talk about some wide receivers here. And we got, I, I don't I don't want to say a great group of wide receivers. Again, obviously the, the top guy we're going to talk about here is the clear top tier guy. I think he is kind of in the same tier as Emmanuel Michelle in terms of how important it is to pick him up off the waiver wire this week if you can. And then the rest of them all kind of have their great spots, but also, you know, a little bit of drawbacks here. But we'll get to that in a second. Let me take a sip of water. Perfect. Thank you, guys. I always appreciate you guys letting me actually hydrate myself on the show. So let's talk about Josh Kelly. Let's talk about the wide receiver here out of Washington State. First of all, a quick moment of silence for Lincoln Victor's incredible start to the season. It looks like he will be out for a bit. We last saw him. This is super weird. He was holding a kick and apparently had his hand stepped on. And then the next thing we see is him on crutches. So clearly something else happened there. Well, he was out the rest of the game. And it, it, it apparently that Cameron Ward took that to mean, all right, bombs away we go. Josh Kelly was absolutely phenomenal this past week. 12 targets, 8 receptions, 159 yards, and 3 touchdowns. He stepped up in a huge way. Him and Kyle Williams both all day long. Just deep shot after deep shot, which is incredible when you consider just how bad Cameron Ward has been with deep shots in the past. Clearly, there's a connection here between Kelly and Ward as they've hooked up multiple times this season already before this point. Again, Victor was the volume guy, but it clearly like Kelly and Ward are on the, sh- on the same page. Just again, look at their performance from this past week and earlier this season. It's not like Kelly's just coming out of nowhere all of a sudden. And like, typically when we talk about Ben Arbuckle's system, Zach Kitley's system, which are these guys are in the same vein here, we're talking about the slot guys, right? Like, but then when you go and look at Josh Kelly, you're like, oh, Jared, he's an outside guy. Like, this feels like it could be a flash in the pan kind of deal. No, I mean, just go back to 2021 when Zach Kitley ran the offense at West Kentucky. Obviously, Jared Stearns was that dude. But you also had Mitchell Tinsley going off as well. I believe he was also a top 12 wide receiver for fantasy that year. So it doesn't just benefit the slot guys. If a guy like Josh Kelly steps up, he's going to eat. Speaking of that, though, again, this is another nugget for those of you who are actually listening and not just clicking through the graphics. If you do want to target, like maybe in a deeper league or you're just trying to get ahead of the curve here and see who will step up in that slot, I think you should look no further than true freshman Carlos Hernandez. He is already number two on the team when it comes to slot snaps this year, especially DT Sheffield quitting the team. I think that he's if you're if you're looking for a system play, if you're looking for the potential volume play, Carlos Hernandez is probably that guy moving forward. And also again, like I've talked about touchdown regression already in a negative light so far this year, and like especially with guys like uh Jaden Thomas out of UNLV. 
Hernandez hasn't scored a touchdown this year, and he's getting a ton of volume. I think that's going to change pretty soon here, especially with how much pointage Washington State has been putting up against some pretty solid defenses recently. So I think Hernandez will probably be another fun little play for you here. So bonus option there. Next wide receiver we'll talk about. This is another one that I'm probably going to throw in like a secondary option real quick as well. But we got to talk about Naeem Simmons, the wide receiver out of the University of South Florida, rostered in only 1% of leagues. This past week, eight targets, eight receptions, 272 yards, and a touchdown. Brown, Byron Brown, I, we talked about his kind of struggles with passing in the past, but he has started to really take advantage of some deep ball accuracy that he, I don't know, again, he hasn't really shown it before, but like it's clearly working for him now. And Naeem Simmons has become that main beneficiary for it. He is averaging an absurd 23.8 yards per catch. So clearly a deep option for South Florida. And we've seen plenty, and again, this is one of those things where, again, we go back to system. We're like, okay, this is Alex Golish's system. The slot did really well in Jalen Hyatt. So we got to target the slot guy, right? What do you mean, Jared? This uh, Naeem Simmons guy is a outside wide receiver. Like, we can't expect this to be, you know, super um, consistent down the line. Well, I think, yes, we can. Because, again, just go back to 2021, where Cedric Tillman was the lead wide receiver for Tennessee, and he's a mostly outside guy right there as well. I think Simmons, if he is seriously establishing himself as the clear, um, as one of the clear starters for this offense moving forward, this is a system that is going up against a lot of rough defenses. He should be in for some really, really big games down the line, like he was this past week. Again, almost hitting 300 yards, just absolutely, absolutely insane. I think Simmons is absolutely worth a pickup. I already got a few waivers in for him across a lot of leagues. The other guy I'm going to throw out here, and again, this is staying with South Florida, his partner in crime, Sean Atkins, I think he's worth looking at as well. He's rostered in 0% of leagues here. Atkins is, again, if you're going for that system play, he is the guy in the slot. And so far, he has more volume. He has 32 targets so far in the season versus Naeem Simmons, who only has 25 targets on the season. The big problem with Atkins, really, though, is that, you know, just a much lower yards per reception. You know, I talked about Simmons having the 23.8 yards per reception. Unfortunately, Atkins only has nine. Now, granted, again, both these guys are getting touchdowns, so it's not like one of those things where, you know, Clearly, Atkins is getting the targets, but, you know, he may not get the touchdowns. I think they'll both be pretty valuable down the line. I don't think either one of these guys should be hanging out on waivers much longer, given how much this offense is going to be putting up in scoring in just year one. I think, again, both, again, Naeem Simmons is probably the better play. I would target him better, or I would target him with more if you got FOB, or I would put a higher priority on him. Atkins, not a bad play either. Once again, little nugget for those of you who are actually listening and not just clicking through the graphics. Next one here, we got Mr. Reggie Brown, wide receiver out of James Madison. Dukes have kind of had a rough start in their passing game so far this year, but it looks like things are kind of settling out. And Reggie Brown is kind of separating himself from the rest of the pack as the clear wide receiver one. Again, Not quite as high volume as some would like, including myself. Again, it looks like he's averaging 6.75 targets per game. You would like that to be closer to like 8, 9, maybe 10, obviously. But the value of each individual target is really, really nice here. Again, he is averaging 14 yards 
um, when it comes to his average depth of target. So that's already pretty good distance down the field. But then the better part is that he is averaging 12 yards after the catch. So if you kind of combine those together, that means per target, you're kind of looking at an expected 2.6 fantasy points every time the target, the ball is kind of thrown his way. And that doesn't even include the potential touchdowns that can come along with him. Speaking of which, he's got three on the year, so that you clearly he's a guy that gets involved down near the red zone as well, not just a between-the-20s guy here. So, as I kind of mentioned before, that kind of really sets up nicely for Brown moving forward. And also, again, that yards-after-the-catch ability is so, so nice, especially for a quarterback like Jordan McLeod, who I just don't think is a super great quarterback. Short passes, big gains after the catch. That's a quarterback's best friend. I bet you... That again, we've seen 6.75 targets per game so far this season. I would personally bet that over the next three games, we're going to see that average go from that 6.75 to about eight and a half, nine targets per game. I think Reggie Brown is clearly setting himself up to be that guy who is absolutely going to be somebody that James Madison relies on here in the future. I think, again, this is a bit of a tear down from some of the top guys here from today, but I think he's worth looking at as a waiver wire option. Another option we got here, Mr. Kevin Concepcion, another true freshman. I think this is like the fourth true freshman we're talking about here today, which is always so much fun to talk about. Anyway, rostered on 11% of rosters this past week, 10 targets, 6 receptions, 116 yards, and 2 touchdowns. It wasn't really the most unexpected thing in the world for Concepcion to break out as a freshman, like clearly we knew he was going to be involved. The hype's really been there off season, all off season, excuse me. But it does seem now that he's kind of taking a step forward. He's setting himself up to be Armstrong's main target moving forward among the receivers for the Wolfpack. He doubles the next receiver in targets. He's got 33 targets so far in the year compared to Lassane's 17. We've seen Robert Anae's offense in the past to have great things when it comes to their wide receiver ones or when they have consistent wide receiver play. Just look at guys like Keaton Thompson. Look at, um, oh my goodness, I can't remember the other Virginia wide receiver's name off the top of my head. I should. He was incredible. Ugh, I'll have to remember that later. Anyway, we see, again, we've seen them have really good success at wide receivers. If Concepcion's already doing this as a freshman, I don't believe we're even close to his ceiling. I think that he is going to be a guy that can potentially take over games for the Wolfpack as he gets better down the line. Again, we're already only, what, four games in for the Wolfpack. He's still got a lot to learn. I think him and Armstrong are just going to get even more and more comfortable moving down the line. I like Concepcion as a pickup this week in fantasy quite a bit. Last wide receiver we'll talk about here is Mr. Ladeatric Tulu Griffin, the wide receiver out of Mississippi State, rostered in 7% of leagues. This is probably my least comfortable recommendation this week on the waiver wire, I will admit to you guys, but it's really just hard to ignore just how reliant this Mississippi State passing game has become on Griffin. This is kind of very similar. These he is Griffin and Brown, I probably should have put next to each other. I think these guys are very similar in what they kind of bring to the table so far this year. Once again, not great on volume, but again, clearly the number one receiver for his team. And he's relied upon, just like Brown, for his ability to create after the catch, as I said with Brown. 
Short throws, big gains is a quarterback's best friend and should lead to more targets moving forward. I think Griffin, after this past week where he went 10 targets, 7 receptions, 256 yards, and a touchdown, I think he's more than earned some targets, some more targets thrown his way. It also helps that, again, his ability to create with every catch that he has been able to get is incredible. He's averaging 19.4 yards per reception compared to Justin Robinson, the number two wide receiver for uh, Mississippi State this year. He's averaging 11.8. That kind of differential right there, I think is going to continue to make things go more towards Griffin's way as long as you know he's not being bracketed by the defense here. And then again, just a little boost here. Again, you get a touch or two from him in the run game every single play, especially around the goal line. So that is a nice little boost right there. Upcoming games for Griffin. Again, Alabama this week, I probably wouldn't start him there. But that next week against Western Michigan, oh boy, I would be all over Griffin in that game. I would be all aboard on that one. And then you got Arkansas afterwards. I think there's plenty of matchups for where Griffin should still be a force to be reckoned with for the SEC Again, probably my least comfortable recommendation this week. Probably the same tier as Brown. I probably should put Concepcion up there with Naeem Simmons. That's probably my bad, y'all. I try to put these in order of who is the most valuable to pick up. I probably should have put Concepcion up a peg here. But even so, I think Griffin is worth looking at. Another honorable mention I will throw out here real quick. Mr. Kobe Hudson, wide receiver at a UCF, 17%. Again, with Timmy McLean now a quarterback, the passing game should be a little bit more consistent, and Hudson's gotten himself three straight 100-yard games. Do I think that's going to be consistent moving forward? Probably not, but I think, you know, it's not a bad thing to target when you see a guy get 100 yards for three-plus games, so definitely looking at that there. And then a quick reminder, Malik Washington, the wide receiver out of Virginia, I talked about him on last week's podcast. All he did was finally get some touchdowns to go along with his insane number of targets, and he had himself a top 10 wide receiver finish last week, so go get him. Anyway, we got a few more tight ends to talk about here, so let me get a swig of water and we can finish this right up, y'all. All right, let's talk about our sixth, I repeat, sixth true freshman of the day. Mr. Luke Haas, a tight end out of Arkansas. We heard a lot of hype coming out of him throughout the offseason. A lot of us were a little hesitant once Varkis Gums went to Arkansas. He's done absolutely nothing, and Luke Haas has done everything. He is third on the team for Arkansas in targets. He gets pretty consistent targets every single week. Again, it's nothing to blow you away. You're not talking about, like, you know, seven, eight targets for, the, for him every single week. But, you know, you're looking at probably anywhere from three to seven targets this past week against um, oh God, who did Arkansas play this past week? Um, oh my God. Anyway, this past week, seven targets, six receptions, 116 yards, and two touchdowns. LSU, that's who they played. Yeah. So again, this is a legit defense they played against. Seven receptions, six or seven targets, six receptions, 116 yards, and two touchdowns. He's averaging so far in the year 15.9 yards per catch. Once again, a guy that, you know, this is not a dump off option. This is a guy they're targeting downfield, a true receiving tight end threat this is again for those of you who are system players out there this is a good system play right here we've seen plenty of good tight ends come out of arkansas the last couple of years and then dan enos during his time with maryland was able to put up some really good tight end numbers i think that haas given the talent level that he has given how important he is to this team so far 
should earn even more and more targets down the line. Absolutely worth a pickup right now, especially with the tight end wasteland that we are looking at ourselves right now. Next up, Tyler Warren, tight end out of Penn State here, rostered on 5% of rosters. Past, this past week, not a great performance. I mean, three catches, nine yards, but two touchdowns. This is kind of another system play. Again, obviously, if you look at just this past week's performance, not great. But Penn State's given us plenty of good tight ends in the past, and plenty of good numbers there. He is so far second on the team in targets. That, again, this is, a t- this is a Penn State team that is passing the ball qu- quite a bit more than we have in the past. He is second only to Keandre Lambert-Smith. So far on the season, he has logged a touchdown in every single game for the Nittany Lions so far. Aller has clearly found himself a favorite target to look for in the red zone. Again, given the tight end wasteland we're looking at right now, if you're looking at your guys and they're just not doing anything for you right now, Here's a system play right here coming out of Penn State and Tyler Warren. I think he's worth looking at going forward. Last tight end play again. Luke Haas is clearly in a tier of his own, in my opinion. Warren and this next guy are kind of down below a little bit. But this is a fun one to talk about. Jake Johnson, tight end out of Texas A&M. 1% rostered on leagues. First of all, again, we've seen Texas A&M be able to utilize the tight ends in the past. But the really fun thing about this is, well, I say really fun thing because you know, it's sad that Connor Wheatman got injured, but Max Johnson comes in as QB and almost immediately throws a touchdown to his little brother in Jake Johnson. Nepotism's a wonderful thing in college fantasy, and with Jake Johnson pretty much already being involved in the AM offense to this point, I think with his brother now full-time at QB until Wheatman is able to come back, I think that there's some good good weeks to come here with Jake Johnson. Far, far worse things to take shots on this week when it comes to grabbing tight ends off the waiver wire. But that's pretty much all I got on him. It's definitely more narrative-based than even the other two. But, you know, it's fun, and we've seen crazier things happen than that. A couple honorable mentions at tight end that I want to throw out here that, you know, still under 30%, still very valuable. Uh, Jared Wiley, tight end at TCU, rostered on 27%. You saw him get another two-touchdown week. It's going to be up and down with Wiley, I think, but that's most tight ends. I think he's, given the fact that he has two touchdown upside any given week, he's worth putting on your roster and plugging him into your lineup when you can. And then Bryce Damos, the tight end out of UAB, had a, pretty good, had a pretty solid week against a Georgia defense this past week. He was able to put it in for a touchdown as well. If he's able to do that, as long as that offense is humming, he's going to be pretty involved. In fact, I should probably... Look up real quick. Let's see. American. Where's UAB? There you are. Yeah, he is currently second on the team in target. So, again, I think that Bryce Damos probably ends up having a top 15, if not top 10, tight end production by the end of the year. And you could really go a lot worse than him in a lot of places. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that pretty much ends our waiver wire show for the week really appreciate you guys listening again like i said we're a third of the way through again a lot of the guys that still talked about today still probably a bit more on the side of you know season long guys that's just kind of where my bread and butter is i like finding guys that are going to perform for you week after week but some of you are really going to start wanting to learn about those streamers those streaming options and i will try to put a bit more of a focus but like i said at the start the top of the show I really think that people need to kind of trust their evaluations so far a little bit more. Make sure you're looking at those guys on your bench and trying to figure out like, all right, do I have my answer already? 
or do I need to go to the streaming options on the waiver wire? We'll figure it out as the weeks go on. Again, it's about to get really tough. A lot of a lot of us think we have really good teams until some of our guys start going down to bye weeks, and suddenly things get a lot tougher all of a sudden. So, with that being said, enough rambling from me. Really appreciate you guys listening, and I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Until you see us again on Wednesday morning, where Justin and I will be back to answer your sit-start questions for week five. Until then, appreciate you guys, and y'all have a wonderful and blessed day. See ya.